morning, bitches, and welcome to Wellness For Real. It's your girl, Malena, and today I chat with Britt Pope all about her life and her journey, and y'all, this episode is just so amazing. Uh, grab some tissues, because you might cry a little, but I promise uh, we have some fun and some laughs as well. I just want to thank Britt for sharing her story with us and everyone who comes on our show and shares their story. And of course, all of you listeners who keep coming back every week to keep listening. We love and appreciate you guys so much. We also love and appreciate when you go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps our podcast grow. Now, let's just get this one started. Uh, Buckle up, y'all. It's about to get real. You know, like with having Instagram, it's like you meet so many amazing people, but sometimes you just meet people and it's like, click, (laughs) you know, you just like click and you're one of those people. So uh, today we have Britt Pope with us. What's up, girl? Hey, I'm so excited to be on here. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you too. Um, We were just talking about this, but like, you know, with having an Instagram, it's like, there's only so much you can share on your Instagram and like everybody has a story. And I can just tell like your story is just from what you share on Instagram is so inspirational. So let's start from the beginning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be here for like five hours. With it's going to be a I long talk. episode, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn. Cause it's about to get real here on the wellness for real podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So oh, let me take a deep breath here. Um, in the beginning, I mean, I guess it takes it back to like my childhood. And I think for a lot of people, that's where a lot of stuff kind of begins. Um, I'm the oldest of four. Um, we have different dads, except for my youngest too. So my, my biological father was never in the picture, which of course it never really bothered me, but I had my stepfather in the picture. My mom was a new mom. You know, I was the first, so she didn't quite know what she was doing. Um, and I get that now, you know, being a mom, but you know, we didn't really have any kind of a social life. We weren't allowed to do very much stuff. Um, I pretty much was doing a lot of the raising of my younger siblings and I don't know a lot of times responsibilities fell on me and it took a toll on me because it made me have to grow up and I feel like a lot of people can relate to that you know Um, which kind of led to like this insecurity for me of needing to have someone there um, like a man which Like now I'm like a completely different person, but like looking back now, like I needed that security. So instead of focusing on school, I was always about finding someone that made me feel good because at the time I just was not feeling very good. Um, So with that being said, I had like met someone online, of course, you know, and we talked and he lived in a different town for me but he lived here in Rhode Island that's where I reside right now and um my parents would not let me have friends over I couldn't go to friends houses um so I kind of snuck around to see this guy I mean I was doing pretty impulsive things I was jumping out my (laughs) my windows I mean I was disappearing at like one o'clock in the morning and so I mean now that I'm a mom if my child did that I'd be freaking out but me I didn't even care at that time 
And so I really found like almost like security with being with that person, you know, and this is my ex that we're talking about. I was with him for, I think it was six years or seven years, but I was 17 and his, he was graduating. So his family was going to be moving down South and I was about to turn 18 in a couple months. So I was like, look, mom, you may not let me go now, but as soon as I turn 18, I got that plane ticket already bought. I am out of here. So she was just like, you know what, whatever, go. Like she signed a paper and gave it to his parents and I stayed with them. We moved down to Florida. So I had moved down there with him and I had to retake all of my school classes because I was like a CDF student. I um, struggled a lot in school because not only like not having a social life, like I was picked on a lot in school um, and I didn't really have close friends. It was like, I'm shaking a little bit talking about it. It was, it was really, really rough. Um, so when I was in school, I was so paranoid about people talking about me all the time, all the time. And so my focus was never on school. So when I had moved to Florida, I had to redo all my classes, which I was bound and determined to do. And I fell pregnant with my ex and um, it was just, I don't know. It was unexpected. I didn't even know. And I was over here at school, you know, trying to finish and we, Obviously it was a surprise. So I had gone to the doctors and, you know, I had intentions, full intentions of, you know, this is my child, you know, I'm going to keep it. Well, at the time my ex, well, he still does. He has Asperger's. It's a form of autism. He doesn't really show emotions and he tends to let his friends pick him and they're not really the best friends. And um, by the way, you can stop me at any time because no, I'll girl, just, keep going because <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> um, but so anyways, he attracted kind of like the wrong crowd. And anytime I would bring up my emotions and how I felt about the people that were in our house, I would get shut down immediately. And I, I had moved to Florida with him and I thought I loved him. And, you know, it was. It was crazy. We were going to have a kid together and he did not want this child at all, at all. And our families didn't get along. Um, so my family was always pulling me away. His family was pushing me away. His family didn't really believe in how my family raised me. So they were like, they did not like each other whatsoever. And so anyways, um, his mom really kind of pushed me to look into open adoption and man, it was so emotional to sit there and hear that from someone. I was 17, I was figuring out school and I finally found something that would love me unconditionally forever. And someone telling me that kind of hurt my feelings because I could never imagine doing something like that. It's like, what is wrong with you? Why would you even say that to me? Like adoption must be worse than abortion. And I didn't know anything at the time, you know? So she just, yeah, I mean, off. 17, like that's crazy young. It is. Especially like you don't think that when you're 17. <laughs> no, when you're 17, you think, you know, everything. It's like, don't even tell me what to do. I already know. No, really. You don't know shit. 
no, you don't. So uh, she, you know, she said, just, just look into it. Just look into it. Just look into it. And I was just like, you know what? I'll just look into it, yeah. but I'm just looking into it. That's it. So I go to this little house and, you know, like I said, we were living in Florida and it's this little like pregnancy house and it's a bunch of cute old ladies that work there. And it's kind of like a support place. Well, I go there and they set up to have like an adoption agency come out and um, just kind of like talk to me about what it's like, what happens, what the process is. And um, I I did not want to (laughs) go. I did not want to go at all, but I wanted to go to shut her up because I didn't want to do what she wanted me to do, but I was going to do it just so I didn't have to hear her mouth anymore. (laughs) And so I was just like, you know what, I'll go, I'll go, whatever. And so I go and here I am, like, I think I was, I think it was like six months pregnant at the time, you know, I have my belly and it was crazy because all the friends that my ex had around, like their girlfriends were all pregnant too. So here I am having all these pregnant women around me and I'm pregnant and are, you know, we're all 17. It's just like, oh, it was just crazy. But so anyways, they come and they sit down and, you know, my ex is sitting across from me, giving like the look like just I don't want to be here I don't give a shit like so they come in and they were just the sweetest ladies I'll always remember exactly what they looked like they were tall and the other one was shorter and they were just the friendliest people the most like almost like sensitive like they were very sensitive to or they were trying to be how do you say it like like, like compassionate about yes. the situation. Yeah. 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 Like which I you should be if you're in that line of work. Exactly. Right? So um but so they brought all these scrapbooks and they're all different scrapbooks made from different families. And so the families, like anyone who is looking to adopt, who chooses to go through this agency. So there's a bunch of different ones who chooses to go through this agency. They make a scrapbook with like pictures of their family and just like, you know, you get creative with it. So you have like, you know, male and female couples, male and male, female, female, like single parents, you have all different types of people who are looking to adopt. And so they were just going to show me a couple examples. Well, they hand me this book. It's a blue and gray. I wish I had, it. I don't know. I don't know where it is in this mess, but somewhere up in here. Um, and I opened it up and the mom looked like me. The dad looked like my ex and their family just looked so happy. So, so happy. And I don't know what it was, but, and I wasn't even open to do an open adoption, but as soon as I saw their face, it was almost like, wow. Like I got goosebumps. I just had this feeling that like, I was meant to meet these people and it was just, it was insane. So I went into this place just doing it to shut them up. I left this place meeting this family at Texas Roadhouse the same day, like meeting them. No intentions on doing the adoption, but I just felt the need to meet them. Yeah. Um, So they were just telling me a little bit about the, the way the process works. They were like, you know, you can look into it um, and you can meet different families. You don't have to make a decision here and now. Literally, you can back away from that decision up to 48 hours after you give birth in the hospital. You could back away at any time. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'll meet this family, you know? And so we did, you know, we went to Texas Roadhouse 
and uh, I brought some like pictures of me and my ex and we just kind of like clicked like I don't even know what it was we were just it was like we knew each other all along I'm not the person who's shy at all like I'll just talk to anyone like yeah. So when I met them, we were just making so much conversation. I was talking to them about like my childhood growing up and my ex was kind of talking about his childhood uh, because he was actually adopted, but his situation was a closed adoption due to like drugs and all this stuff like the state and whatnot. Um, so anyways, it's crazy because we would hang out all the time. Like I'd go to their house. They'd be like, Oh, come on over. Like you can come over anytime you want. And we would just hang out like, and just like chill. I don't know. It was just awesome. And you know, the dad, he's like a jokester and he plays jokes and um, they had like family gatherings and cookouts and pool parties. And they were always like, just come on over, come on over. And you know, at the end of the day, like I knew, I just knew, I knew, but I didn't want to know, like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to believe the feelings that I was feeling. Yeah. And it was hard. And I'm telling you, like up until the day I gave birth, like I was still dead set on pulling out. But the closer that I got to that day, like I kind of started having those realizations. And I always told myself, like, no matter what, like, you know, I look at people who adopt and I'm like, how do you do that? How do you just throw your child away and you know what I mean? And, and then go on with your life and not even worry about it. And that wasn't the case for me at all. I was very worried, you know, but I'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you have any questions about this so far? Yeah. I mean, wow, this is just so, uh, I mean, at 17 years old, like I can even now, like as a grown ass woman, like I can't imagine going through that and making those decisions. Uh, but it sounds like you kind of were just like trusting your intuition, um, which is so important. Right. Um, and I so appreciate you sharing this because I know that it can't be easy to share this story. Um, and like, I mean, with anything, there's always people that are going to have opinions, um, you know, and are going to take one little second of something that you share and think that they know the whole story. So you coming on here to share the whole story, like is just, I I just really appreciate that. Now you mentioned that your ex had Asperger's at the time. Was that something like, was he diagnosed? Like, was that something that he knew or did you kind of learn that? So like, I, I learned, I didn't know that right when I met him, I, figured that out his family told me like his mom and his dad like told me about that because I wouldn't have even known that meeting like when I met him I didn't even you couldn't even tell like I'd hang out with him I I couldn't even tell you know he did seem like a little uncomfortable and emotional situations like getting like like close and like showing your emotions like kissing and stuff like that it was just like kind of a little awkward and I didn't know why but his family kind of expressed it to me but I think at the time like I wanted, you know, you know, the saying where it says like, you want to fix people or like, you want to like be the person that helps someone. Like I cared so much about him that I wanted to like help him. And it's not that I was with him for that reason. I really truly did think that I loved him, but I also like felt bad too, in a way. And, um, I don't know, it was, it was rough with that, with that situation. I, I had no clue at all. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that for a lot of females, um, especially when you grow up with those like self-worth issues, you know, you end up, especially in those teenage years in your early twenties, like you end up in these really toxic relationships. Um, and like you, you keep saying like you thought you loved him. Right. And like how many of us have been in a situation where we, we, at the time we thought we were like madly in love with somebody. And then you look back at it now and you're like, yeah, that wasn't love. Yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah. that was so, just some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like it's, and I, part of me feels bad saying that because I really did think I, I loved him, you know, it's awkward yeah. to say it now, but, um, but I think what it is, is you love the feeling and you love the yeah. secureness and you love like feeling like you have someone there and kind of like just filling that void that you didn't have for all that time growing up. And it's just something that took me going through an even darker spot in my life later on to realize. So, but with him, his family found out that he had Asperger's at like a very young age. I think he was, I don't even think, I think it was before he was 10. So like he had been on different medicines and just like, I don't know, like police were involved a lot. And I, not right when we first got together, but his mom would tell me stories about, you know, please have to come to the house okay. and, you know, stuff like wow. that. So, yeah, which I don't really want to go into too much detail about that. Cause it's not really like yeah. something doesn't I'm, matter, uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. We're talking about your story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. So, and he's history, I'm assuming like long gone. Yeah, yeah. 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 So anyways, <laughs> where were we? Yeah. So, so you're kind of getting towards the end of your pregnancy and in your mind, you still thought you were going to be backing out, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it was just crazy because, you know, I had reassured them. I was like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, you guys are the family because we sat there and we talked about things like uh, the only way I'd be able to do it is if I could still be a part of their lives and see them. And the thing is legally, that's not something that any adoptive parent has to abide by that's there's no laws once you sign over those papers giving your rights away as a mom you can never get them back ever under any like there's nothing like if something happened to them I still couldn't get them back like if something happened to the parents and it so it was crazy what a huge decision to make like for anybody let alone a teenage girl you know going through all of that wow exactly and it was just I don't even know it was it was so hard but they were having the baby shower and they had like the nursery set up. And the more time I spent around their family, the more I realized that they were the family I wish I had growing up, you know, it's it's hard, but like seeing that kind of made me realize, okay, I'm working at Outback Steakhouse as a host. I make like minimum wage. Um, You know, he's making social security. Like we're living in a cheap one bedroom place. Like, do I want to bring up my child and put my child through what I went through growing up? Or could I just give my child potentially a better life than what I could have provided? And I know there's always going to be people that say, well, you learn to deal with stuff and this and that. But at the time being, I was going through so much that I just knew that even in that short period of time, things could be completely different forever. And I think that's why when, um, I think that's why when it came to me getting induced and Charlie being born, 
um, which speaking of the name Charlie, I actually had a name for her throughout my entire pregnancy. I was going to name her Macy, which is why I have, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've had a tattoo on my back with the little ham print and uh, it says Macy on it. And, and that, that was going to be her name, but they agreed to keep like the middle name and they named her Charlie, which totally fits her now. But, um, which kind of made it that much harder, you know, when you have a name for something, it's just, I don't know, yeah. it's crazy. So, but anyways, the day came when I went to give birth and man, it was rough. I mean, not only like, like you said, am I giving birth for the first time, but then going through all this and sitting there anxious and not knowing what your decision is going to be, you know, because you want to pull away so much, so much because you have something that will love you forever, no matter what you're going through, they'll never not be happy with you or make everything that this family prepared for, their happiness, everything, like kind of bring that down, which they know that going into this, that could happen. But still, I fell in love with this family and it was just something that I couldn't do to them. Um, So anyways, the time came and, you know, I gave birth and she came out and, she cried and, you know, they sat her right next to me. And, um, I just, I mean, she looked exactly like my ex, but at the time it was just like amazing. And, you know, you get this overwhelming oxytocin release when the baby comes out where it's just like, Oh my God. Like, I love this child. I love, I love her so much. I will do anything. And this is where the tough part came in. Um, there would be nurses that come in that were unaware of the situation. We're like, oh, do you want to breastfeed? Like, do you want, do you want, yes, I want to, but can I? No, like, yeah, you can't do that. You know, when you're, you're going to do the adoption. Um, oh, when are you guys getting discharged? You guys, right. It's not going to be a, you guys, like it was hard. And so they came and they saw her and they were, they were holding her and I just sat there and this just brings back feelings. So I'm sorry. No, don't apologize again. I so appreciate you sharing this. I just want to say, um, you shared this on your Instagram and I'm pretty vocal about me and my husband have struggled with fertility and, um, now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, you sharing your story has opened my heart to adoption. So I appreciate you sharing this. We <laughs> I know virtual hugs. <laughs> Anyone got tissues? Can you throw a baby, please? <laughs> oh um, but I, I mean that this this really speaks to who you are as a person that you um were able to give that gift to another family. Um, and still like, so now you still have that relationship with them, but that has to still be super hard too. Right. It is. And I mean, it's hard every time I leave, it was hard. It took time. It took a lot of time to get to where I'm at. And when, okay. So when they left the hospital, they got discharged. She obviously went home with them. So technically you can't sign the adoption papers until 48 hours after birth. So you have to stay in the hospital because they want to make sure 
you have no medicine in your system. You can't have anything um, when you sign those papers. For like legal purposes, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, so they have to sit there and they have, I'll always remember, it was like five pages long and they were just reading and reading and reading and reading rights and just saying these words that just really, really upset me. Like, you know, crying wise, I would just, I, I couldn't stop. They were like, forever, you will like eternally give away your rights oh. and this and that. And it was just breaking my heart. And here I am holding her in my lap and I'm just looking at her and poor child's getting rain on because of me <laughs> crying. But um, it was rough. So they went home with her and they told me like, you know, and they lived 40 minutes from me. It was not a drive at all. It was like a straight away to their house. So they told me, you know, just like when you're pregnant, you can come over whenever you want, as much as you want, like whatever. So when we got discharged from the hospital, we went, all of us went over to my school because at the time I was in like, um, I don't know if there's so many pregnant people in our school that they have like a pregnancy school for people in the high school. So you could do like a half day of like parenting classes and then a half day of, you know, so anyways, everyone kind of knew what I was going through. And trust me, I got judgment from everyone. It was almost like, a, oh, you just want to do whatever you want. But it wasn't that case at all. But so we went over to the school and um, I was like, you know, I want to show my teachers and everyone. And we literally talk about everything. So they know like how I felt like they know everything. So they wanted to do anything and everything to make me feel comfortable with the situation. I mean, it was just crazy. They told me that I could take her and go in the school and show her to everyone just to call them and let me know when I'm done. So like they would let me you know, take her in there. And I mean, they were just so beyond grateful. And um, I mean, and I'm just forever grateful for them. And while I'm on this topic, I should share just not a whole lot about their situation. But um, generally speaking, they obviously have trouble with, you know, um, conceiving as well. Now they did conceive one child through in vitro, but um, they didn't go full term. And then after that, they couldn't get pregnant again. So that's why they ended up looking into adoption, um, which I don't know if you saw pictures, but her name's Alexa. And she's yeah, like, she, yeah. So she they have an her. older sister, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's such a good situation. But um, so I literally would go over their house every single day when I as before work, after work, I'd go over and they would let me do whatever I want with her there. I could feed her. I would hold her the entire time. They would take pictures of me with her. Um, It was just, they literally would do anything to make me comfortable and to just show how grateful, I mean, they would set up the bath and let me give her a bath. It was, you know, it was like, almost like I got to have that little window of parenting, but ultimately, you know, they're the mom and dad. Yeah. Um, Which not every situation is going to be this open but I just cannot believe how lucky and with the situation you know with me not even going from not even wanting to do it to where I'm at now like this situation isn't always the case but this is what I wanted and this is what I got and it's just it's amazing um so like where I'm at now I mean it's still the same situation I can go whenever I want. Like literally I just went on the trip a couple weeks ago and I was sitting on the couch and I was like, damn, 
I didn't get to go in November. I usually go every November for their birthdays. I didn't get to go because of COVID and everything. And I was also like nine months pregnant again with Luca. And um, so I said, you know what, let me text her. So I text her. I said, Hey, are you guys doing anything this weekend or next weekend? And she's like, uh, she was saying like, Oh no, we got like Alexis prom and whatnot. Uh, why, what are you thinking? And I was like, you know, I was thinking about coming down. And anytime I say like, Oh, I'm, I want to come down on this day or this day, they literally will rearrange or fit in that time for me in any given situation. Like they could have a soccer game for Alexa in Orlando, which is like two hours away, but they will figure out a way to be able to get me from Tampa or, you know, something like that to have me come. Like they will, they don't say no, you know, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think that that's so amazing that like you guys all found each other. It just seems so like, even though it's obviously still difficult for you in certain aspects, and I'm sure it's difficult for them in certain aspects. um, Like that's just, this is so amazing to me, like to hear your story and to know that it's like possible to go the adoption route and for it to look like whatever it needs to look like um, for you, right? For everybody involved. So And I think it just takes time, like finding, like as a birth mom speaking, as an adopted parent, I think that it takes incredible strength to go through this type of situation. Now, obviously, like as an adopted parent, there's so many different routes you can take. Like there's closed adoptions, there's foster care that turn into adoptions. I mean, there's so many, so many, I believe it's foster care that turns into adoption because I know at the time my, my ex, they were just watching him as a baby and then they got offered to adopt him. So there's just so many crazy different situations. But initially when my ex's mom told me, oh, look into adoption. I thought like you drop this kid off at like a daycare and someone comes and picks out whatever child they want. And like, you get picked out like puppies, you know? And that is not (laughs) the case at all. It is not like, and I, I always said to myself, like, I would want to make awareness for open adoption because not because I think like if you're young, you should give up your child. I don't think that's the case at all. But I think as a mom, like, you know what you have to do when the time comes and you know, that that is an option. If that's something, you know, that you might need to think about, like, so it's just something I'm so passionate about sharing because I want people to know that like this type of situation is possible too, you know? So it's hard now. I mean, every time I go, I'm always like so pumped. I'm like, yeah, I gotta get my suitcase ready. We're gonna go spend time. And, you know, they all call me Brittany. They don't call me mom because, you know, I'm not their mom. Um, But every time they see me, they're like, Brittany! And they come and they hug me. And it's just, it's, it's an amazing situation. But every time I leave, it is hard. It is the hardest thing. And I always tell myself, I'm like, bitch, hold it together. Bitch, hold it together. <laughs> you, you will do this. Get a freaking drink at the bar before you get on the plane. Like you got this. And I can't every single time I leave it is. And it was awkward. Cause like, here I am trying to like film a little bit of like vlog my, tri- my last trip to kind of give people a little insight on like what it's kind of like for me. And I'm over here freaking looking like a damn mess. There's people sitting next to me and I'm like, <laughs> like in the window and I'm like dying and people are probably like what the hell is wrong with this bitch over here but but just um, goes to show though everybody's dealing with shit that you have no idea what is going on I was a mess like when I was leaving I was like you know what I'm about to go home to like my my three other babies which I missed so much 
but I know I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to sit at this bar and have me a drink before I get on this. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Bad bitches cry too. It's oh okay. Oh my God. <laughs> gotta wipe that tear away. It ain't happening. Yes. Uh, so, so for anybody who's like open to adoption, um, like, do you have any advice on a good place to kind of just start? Um, I feel, well, if you're a, if you're a birth mom, I would say definitely like do your research on agencies because I know people automatically think of, or even as an adopted mom, like I would say do like research on agencies because you really want one that isn't like a factory. It's more like personable and small and kind of like local, like people that will take their time with you and understand you and listen to you and your story and what you have going on and will provide services aside from just the adoption to kind of help you through that process. Because I think for a birth mom and adoptive parents, I think it's really important to have like other services out there to kind of support you through that process, because it is hard, especially like as an adoptive parent, like I said, you can go through all this. You can have a, a nursery set up. You can have everything good to go. You could be at that hospital, like the birth mom saying, okay, you come and you can get there. And that mom can shut the door and say, like, I changed my mind. And it's, it's hard. It's hard for everyone. It's yeah. hard to kind of put that trust from birth mom perspective and adoptive parent perspective to kind of like, you know, it's hard to go through it. So I would say, do your research on agencies don't rush the process find what is like floating your boat and what like your intuition is telling you and kind of go with that and and you know just know that like when the right time is supposed to happen it'll happen like what's meant to be is meant to be there's a reason for everything and you won't know until you get there you'll it'll click but for the time being like just kind of go with it do what's in your control and then understand that what's out of your control is there's a reason for it you know what I mean yeah definitely so, I don't know I feel like the whole adoption thing kind of after I had Charlie obviously I had Nicholas so that's like a little add-on to the story um but going through that put me and then going through what I went through with my ex after the adoption put me in the, that's when I got into the darkest darkest place in my life it was really crazy um so, so how old were you when you had Nicholas I got pregnant with Nicholas literally right after I had Charlie it was okay. like it was back to back um did you and, know pretty quickly that you were going to give him up for adoption as well yes. to the same family so this is where I think a lot of people come and judge my story is when it comes to the second child um, I was on birth control. We were taking precautions and literally it was like the Lord was just saying, you, you, you're going to have another one. That's it. Because I literally got pregnant so easily. So, and it wasn't expected either. It was just, you know, it just happened. And I, obviously I knew because I had just went through it, but it was kind of like one of those situations where like, I thought like I, so I didn't even know I was pregnant. I got pregnant unexpectedly, but and as much as I wanted to keep him, I, you know, cause I just went through all this and I, it was almost like a second chance to like making that decision to have, to have my child, but things got progressively worse with my ex. Like he would, he was a person that he wouldn't even touch a cigarette and it went from cigarettes to like cocaine and like just other things. And, um, 
when I was pregnant with Nick, I, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I could always back out again. You know, I could always back out if I wanted to, but he started to get physically abusive. There was a time when he pushed me. Um, he choked me out until I almost blacked out and thinking about it, like really fucking is pissing me off right now, but <laughs> he started getting very, it became very physical at this point. Um, and the sad part about the story is he knew that I had no way to get home. Um, I mean, all my money was going to pay in our bills and my family didn't have money to bring me back. And, um, he kind of knew I was in that tough situation. I didn't have a car. I did not have a license. Um, so he would do things like kick me out of the house and lock the door. And here I am in Florida. I mean, luckily it's warm out, but I was pregnant and I was outside at two o'clock in the morning when I have to work the next morning. Like it was just, it got so much worse. And I just kind of like knew. So I had talked to um, the adoptive mom and, you know, she kind of, she knew what was going on, but she didn't even talk to her husband, which was the funny part. <laughs> I told her what was going on. I didn't even have to finish the sentence. She already kind of knew. And she said, I don't care what Paul has to say. It's a yes from me. And that's <laughs> that. So, but so this time we didn't go through the agency because it wasn't necessary. Like we already, like we already knew each other. It just wasn't there. It made no sense to put out all that money. Right. And Cause it's know, not cheap, right? No, no. And you want to know something that's crazy about the cost of adoption is the cost of like the child is based off of race and gender. Yes. That was one of the biggest issues I had when we first started looking into adoption. I was like, this is, it's like the adoption world is so fucked up. Like, yes, they literally price children based on their gender, their race, um, like hereditary stuff. So like, if you have certain medical issues that running like shit like that, but yeah, the, the gender and the race, I was like, this is so fucked. And it makes you feel bad because it's like, like, you know, it's like, you're choosing that that's okay. And it's not okay. I think that's, I think it's ridiculous, but so we went in and I didn't know that either until like, they made me aware of that situation. And they just said like, you know, it's insane and it's sad, you know, of course we don't agree with that. It's just, I never even knew that. It just kind of like blew my mind. And I just don't understand who sat there and made that a thing. Like what, like, well, white supremacy but that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) yeah yeah I was gonna say that's like a whole nother thing but it's it's just like who is okay with that type of situation like who's okay with that you know yeah but uh but anyways yeah so they um they quickly jumped on that and with this pregnancy um with Nicholas I invited um the adoptive mom because adoptive dad was working um she was working too but she had more flexibility with her job I invited her to everything. She came to every appointment with me. She was with me when we found out the gender and, um, which was another crazy, oh my God, it was just everything that happened with my relationship with them. It was just, it was meant to be because they wanted to have a boy to to take on the family name. And so, um, when we were going to find out the gender, you know, they said, it's a boy. And I started crying and she started crying. We were just so happy. And it was just, it was such a good moment. And, um, and then when it came time to give birth, I let her stay in the room with me. So she was next to me, like, you know, wow. like, I have like goosebumps. Like, uh, that's, it's, it's a crazy situation, but you know what? I knew that like something like that would mean so much to her and to them. And 
I loved them, you know, so it wasn't a weird situation at all. It was almost like we're sisters. I mean, it's just, it was crazy. So she was in there and, you know, and his, my ex's parents were just pissed about the whole situation because obviously it was happening again for a second time. And, you know, they didn't, as much as they were pushing it, they didn't really like, you know, I don't know. They just thought it was irresponsible and, and were they aware of like the abuse that you were experiencing? Yeah. But, and so there was a period of time when they were telling me like, oh, you should just leave him. Like, he's not going to change. This is how he is because of the autism, this and that. But like, part of me wanted mm -hmm. to believe that like he could change. And that's where kind of like the, I wanted to change him thing kind of came into play, yeah. but it became a, like, even though I was trying to help him, it became a like almost like he thought I was attacking him type of situation. So anytime I would say anything about friends, about anything, I would get like yelled at major, like it, it just, it was always a fight. It was just, mm. it was crazy. And um, so after I had Nick, of course, like going through that two times kind of made things rough for me mentally and emotionally. I mean, I, I didn't leave the hospital with Nick feeling chirpy and ready to go like it was a whole nother period of time where it was still hard on me you know and yeah. um and then like that's where kind of things got like a whole lot darker like drugs were coming around and I was peer pressured and I was emotionally a wreck and I wanted something to fill that feeling and I like with the you know peer pressure being pushed down on me and pushed down on me like I was peer pressured into trying something like you know and I did and I tried a couple of different things and it made me feel the happiness that I would have you know that I didn't have because of the situation I was in right. and what was even worse about the situation was it was making my ex happy and it was making me happy and in the situation we were having the happiness at that time that we weren't having when we were sober and it kind of made the oh this is how things can be if we can just fix it you know and it just got really rough so we ended up moving out to texas from florida and um a family friend had like a oil rig out there and offered to move us out and that was hard leaving the state you know knowing that the kids were there i didn't want to leave but at the time like i did want to show them that you know, I did the adoption for a reason and I wanted to show them that, you know, I can succeed in life and go somewhere for, you know, to, to prove to them that I, you know, I want to give them a better life and also give me a life, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. And, so how, so how long had it been when you moved to Texas? Like how old were the kids? Um, so I had Charlie in November, 2012. I had Nicholas November, 2013, and we moved to Texas in July of 2000. 14. Okay. So pretty close to a year. Uh, I don't know, probably about like a half a year later. It was <laughs> do the hard. math. Yeah. I don't know. Y'all can do math. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we moved over and you know, that was kind of hard, but at the same time it was only like 13 hours away. So if I wanted to drive over, like if I left in the morning, I could be there by the end of the night. So it wasn't like too, too bad. Um, but when I got to Texas, things just got even more worse. It was, and the thing is, Texas is like a freaking party state. Like you would think it's all like sand and, you know, random <laughs> bars in the middle of nowhere that you see on movies. And it's not, it is like 
rave central like yeah where in texas were you i was in east texas so it was like kind of next to louisiana like yeah kind of i was about an hour and 20 minutes east of dallas so i lived out there and dallas was pretty like you know reachable so you could go out there and over in the town i was living in it was like there was DJs at different bars every night. So like everyone was hitting up these different bars every night. And I so had you were to- partying it up. So oh you were at this God. point, you're what, 19? Yeah. Right? yeah. If I can, am I doing math? <laughs> <laughs> 19. Yeah. I judge me, when I was 19, I was doing a lot of shit I shouldn't have oh been doing. Gosh, so you know? no judgment coming from me. Oh okay. <laughs> partying it- and drugs and yeah. And I was also trying to like make good money. So I got hired in as like, um, an assistant manager at a Dunkin' Donuts. And so here I am doing that. And I was working a part-time job at another job and partying when I wasn't sleeping, when I should have been sleeping. Yeah. So it was crazy. And, and I would imagine that your like hormones are all, I mean, you just gave gosh. birth to two babies um, yeah. on top of, you know, going through all of these life changes and being in an abusive relationship. And like, that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of shit, girl. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was rough. And I think the, um, like the hormone levels and like, just kind of like the serotonin levels constantly going up and down with everything. It really made me make really impulsive decisions that were dangerous. Like thinking back now, like I thought I made impulsive decisions as a teenager, like it got even worse. I mean, I was just, I'd go down to like the worstest parts of town and just go up to random people. Like and try to make conversation to ask him where the party's at. Like it was, it's just like, yeah. Like we I would, if now. we would have crossed paths at this point in our lives, we probably would have been friends <laughs> just like oh we are now. <laughs> just it's, saying. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. At the time I was like on top of the world, but I mean, right. It, it, but it, really. So like if, when you look back at that period of your life, cause I think about this all the time when I look back to when I was like partying and just like masking all of my trauma with drugs and alcohol. And I'm like, you know, I look back at it. I'm like, man, really, if I think about it, like my mental health was so horrible. Yeah. Um, so like, do you think about that too? I literally, I could preach that right now because like, I feel like when I thought I was sober, like I wasn't sober, like I'm sober now. When I, back then, like if I didn't drink all day and I, you know, I, I didn't touch like you know, any kind of drugs for two days. I thought because it was out of my system that I was sober and it's not, you're like, like you do drugs, your serotonin all comes out of your brain. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you have the lows because, you know, the serotonin just all came out, you know, whatever, all at once. And so all of a sudden you're in a low and you think, oh, okay, because it's out of my system, I'm sober. And it's not like your levels in your brain are still all over the place. Like you're not happy. You don't know what to do next because you're so confused because you were just like dancing for 12 hours straight, like having the time of your life, right? (laughs) It's crazy. And I think because of that, it made me make decisions that I wouldn't make now. And I just think back like, wow, if I, if I, I don't know, if I wasn't in the situation I was in, I could have had so much money saved up. Um, I mean, I was just, it's crazy. Cause when I met Mario, um, which I met him at a bar when I, when I was in one of my breakups with my ex and, um, 
I would just say, yeah, shots on me, everyone, $40 <laughs> for one round. And then all of a sudden, like we take it and I'm just throwing out money left and right. And I think back, I'm like, damn, if I had all that money that I threw out then now, <laughs> yeah. I'd be driving a nice ass car. Like, right? I mean, it's, same. <laughs> it's crazy. But at the same time, you know what? Like if I didn't go through what I went through, if I didn't get with my ex, if I didn't move to Florida, if I didn't have those kids, I wouldn't have moved to Texas. If I didn't move to Texas, I wouldn't have met Mario and I wouldn't have had the family I have now. Like I went through all that for so many different reasons that like, yes, I can sit here and regret making these decisions, but at the end of the day, like it has me where I'm at now. And I think that's why I'm so happy in the place that I'm in. Like, I'm not, I'm not rich. I don't have a bunch of money. I, you know, I still have things I want to do in my life and, you know, I still have goals and whatnot. Um, I may not be where other people my age, you know, are right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where everyone's at, but for myself, like seeing how dark of a space I was in before, it makes me appreciate more where I'm at now. And I could be, you know, um, how do I say this? Like, um, you know, I think some, some people look and they're like, wow, like, you know, you're in a four bedroom duplex and you pay a thousand dollars a month and it's not in like one of the best of the best areas and you're 27. Like for me, I appreciate this because I've been living in my car doing drugs, like in my past, I have lived in, you know, dependent off my family. Like I have been kicked out of a house and I've been on the street. Like I have been in such a dark space before my life that to see that I'm sober now to see that I now almost like have an addiction to working out because it feel it fills that feeling that I had back then like to do all this now like I'm just so content and happy and of course there's things more things I want to do and there's other things that I want to succeed in in my life but to be where I'm at now versus where I was at before it makes me appreciate what I have now and what's going on in my life now because I could be I could have been in such a darker space. Now I couldn't, I may not even have been alive at this point, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You've definitely come so far. So what was the turning point for you then? Um, so I, this sounds crazy because it almost sounds like dependency again, but I had met Mario and that was kind of, he was almost my saving grace. And I've talked to quite a few people on Instagram about it. He was literally almost like my saving grace. Like I had met him at a bar. Like I was feeling myself. I had like six double rum and Cokes. Cause I could drink <laughs> that much at that time. If I did that now I'd probably die. But um, Same. I was like outside in the back patio and like, he's hanging out with his friend and his friend came up to me. It was like, yo mama, you look good. And was like, trying to talk to me. And I was like, skirt. Hey, <laughs> like, like, uh, no, not interested. But hi, like I was just, I don't even know. And so I went up to him and of course, cause I had a couple of drinks. I was like, I had the confidence to go up to him. Cause I wouldn't have when I was sober. And so, um, I talked to him and he gave me his mom's number because he was afraid I was going to be one of those psycho like white girls who like just come like just do crazy shit. So I here I am blowing up his mother's phone. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the turning point for me was like 
So I would show up at his house and be like, Hey, you want to go out? You want to go out? You want to go out? You want to go have some drinks? Like every single night I'd be like, you want to go out? You want to go out? Because at the time, like, um, you know, his family is very strict on like who comes in the house is like family and serious, you know, his family's Mexican and they're very family oriented. And so they see me coming around they're like, what is this bitch here for? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So anyways, I was stealing their son to go out and party all night long. So that didn't really look good on me. But, um, there was this one night I took him to like a local rave and, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to a rave, but like, Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Telling you, I used to party too, girl. (laughs) Not anymore though. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'd probably like, have like an anxiety attack and die of like a heart I don't even know but um yeah so like everyone's in there like practically their underwear and like beads and gloves and crazy music and uh, I was dancing around on the dance floor like an idiot and I thought that I looked like the shit and I literally probably looked like the stupidest person ever and it was so embarrassing and um I had like literally I was I was so fucked up that I bought um like Molly off of some person literally right in front of Mario and he was like uh what are you doing and I was like uh he was just giving me something and I literally like I I didn't care I just I I don't know I was already messed up so I bought something so anyways at the end of the night there was an after party and we were there till five o'clock and um there was like some kid that came running out of the bedroom like butt naked freaking out on acid like just everything hanging out and I brought Mario to this and he does not drink he does not do drugs like so he's over here like what is going on like what kind of world is this like and he wanted to go home and I just didn't like I just wanted to keep going and going and going and um so when I finally got home I overslept um I actually overslept for my job that was kind of the final call that my job would give to me about straightening up they already kind of knew what was going on and um I woke up and they fired me obviously because I I didn't wake up till my shift was over and uh yeah it's funny now right it is (laughs) I almost feel like I'm embarrassed by it because if someone did that shit now I would be like you need to get some help like (laughs) right yeah um but yeah, so when I went to his house the next day, like I knew, like I was like, he is not gonna want anything to do with me, like ever. And he was just such a good guy. And like, he's, I'm more of the outgoing, like loud, like hyped up. And he's more like subtle, quieter, like just kind of listens and does his thing. And so we're like good for each other, I think. <laughs> and yeah, uh, gotta have that balance. You do, you know, relationships. You have, like me sure. and my ex, we're two of the same people. We literally, there's been times where, I mean, the cops were always at our house. So knives were out and it was just like, yeah, insane. a lot of domestic disputes. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> it was crazy. And so with, um, with Mario, I just, I knew, like I, I wanted him. He was going to be mine. Yeah. And so I wanted to, like, I went to his house and I just apologized to him. And I was like, look, like, I promise, like, I'm never going to do something like that again. Like, please don't hate me. And from that point on, I told myself, like, I realized how stupid I looked, I looked to like someone like him. And I realized how dark of a space I was in. And before I met him and when I was with my ex during that time period, I got in trouble with the law 
and um I I mean it was just it was just really crazy like I just I like thinking back now it's just I feel like I don't even know who that person is and I wish that I was smarter about things but um yeah but you wouldn't be who you are now if you hadn't gone through all that I feel that way you know know? I, I feel that way I feel like as a teenager I wasn't very like outgoing I was kind of quiet and to myself and I was very like over worried about what people thought and now you know I, I feel like I'm more outgoing I'm loud I'm like hey hey everyone. yes you're what living your up? true authentic <laughs> life right it's awesome yeah so uh, look at yeah. you now like you're in a loving relationship a healthy relationship yeah. you know you have your family you're working so hard you're like slaying the shit out of your goals girl girl. like so inspiring stop it you inspire me (laughs) like um so you had Luca at the end of last year right Mm -hmm. and then since then girl like wow I'm trying wow I'm trying I I just know I know I have a lot of potential in anything I want when I want something I'm so focused on it and I have to and it's not even just get it. Yeah. And it's not even just like, I need to lose X, Y, Z. It's the feeling like it's feeling good. It's my biggest thing is how I feel internally, especially coming from where I've been before, you know? And I think that's why I said a few minutes ago, like working out, like I love to work out so much. It is literally you know, what I have replaced old addictions with. And that's why it's so addicting to me. I just, it makes me feel so good in it. Like I literally leave the gym and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Like, I'm like, what is up? Like, I just, I get so pumped because I just feel, it's like that serotonin boost. And I'm just, I don't know. I want everyone to be able to feel that good too. Like there is, you can be in the darkest spot possible in your life. And you could be going through so much stuff, but a year, two years, three years later, you could be in such a different spot in your life. And I think that's why I appreciate it. I appreciate where I'm at now so much just because of that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm determined and um, I know I can do it. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And you're doing it with uh, three kids, three small yeah. children. Yeah, they're crazy, um, crazy children. <laughs> I mean, like literally I, I say this to you all the time. Cause you'll message me like super late or super early in the morning. And I'm like, Brit, when the fuck do you sleep? Oh my like, God, girl, you are a beast. You are a beast oh and you're killing it. Uh, I know. I have a couple of other people that say that they're like, how are you already showered? I know. I don't, I don't know if you follow Megan, Meg's mission. She, yes. We were actually like, just talking about that. Like, she's like, I don't know how you're showered, how you've already eaten. It's 730 yes. in the morning. I'm like, listen, I got to go. I'm going, going, going. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like always thinking like, okay, what do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? Like, I like to stay busy because when I'm sitting down and which there's nothing wrong with sitting down, like sit, sit your ass down, enjoy some shit sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have to rest is important. <laughs> it is. But like, for me, like staying busy, it's, I don't know. I like to stay busy and it's not, it's not like a, Oh, you know, I want to lose weight. So I got to stay, but it's not even like that at all. It's just like, it's a mental and emotional thing for me. I like to make myself tasks and I like to complete them. That's just kind of like, how I am. And I also know that if I don't stay busy, I drag and I'm like dragging all day. And that's where like 
the mental and emotional thing starts coming in where I just feel like crap and I'm just down and, you know, I start to get depressed. It's when I'm kind of just, you know, I I have to stay busy. It just kind of, I guess it keeps my adrenaline going, if that's the right word. Yeah, totally. Your serotonin. I mean, we talked about serotonin, right? When you work out, you're giving yourself an endorphin boost, right? So, uh, but I think that that just shows like how you can take what might be looked at as like negative traits and learn how to make them work for you. Right. And just like you're finding a way to feel good. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. No, no, of course not. You want to feel good. You I don't know. When you put good things out there and you feel good, I just feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge, like, I mean, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a conspiracy person, just a little bit. Um, don't even get me started on that stuff. But, um, I think when you like put good energy out there, you're going to attract it because you know what? Totally. Law of attraction. Yes. And you know, with my family and you know, you, you, I think everyone always has a group of people that's always doubting you. And I think that those are the people that you see don't succeed because they don't believe in themselves. And I think that like when, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to read this book with Mario called think and grow rich. And it, I don't know, I'm reading quite a few books and, um, I feel like, you know, they talk about like the, a percentage of people, you know, they don't really have an open mind. They're kind of closed minded. Like, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm getting at. I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, when you put good out there, you're going to attract good, you're going to attract good things. And the way you think about the situation you're in is going to affect how you react to that situation. And I preach that all the time because it's really true. Once I started kind of trying to recognize the negative thoughts in my head, then I could change how I'm thinking about that situation, which ultimately down the road, you're going to figure out why, you know, that flat tire on the road may have made you late and pain in the ass. But you know what, if you didn't go through that, you might not have found that hundred dollar bill on the floor, you know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. what I mean? it's just like, it's crazy. You don't know what's happening, the reason for what's happening now, but you will know later and then it'll click. So in the given moment in time, you just got to pull through, I guess. So. Totally. And I talk about that all the time, like changing that inner narrative. Right. And I think that that like once you start to do that and you start to change the way you talk to yourself and about yourself, then you start to care more about who's around you. Who am I giving my energy to? Right. Because like I talked about how I used to party a lot and I surrounded myself with a lot of really shitty people, honestly, like and I thought these people were my friends, you know, and for so long I was like, that was my identity was being in this group of people that literally just did nothing but partied and did drugs all the time. Right. And it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I got a lot of stories, (laughs) you know, um, be another podcast episode, right? Yeah. I could do a whole girl. I could probably do a whole series of episodes (laughs) on this stupid shit that I've done. Um, and of experience, but you know, it's like when I started to change that narrative in my mind and go, okay, wow, I really don't give a shit about myself. And that's why I put myself in these situations Mm -hmm. and started to work on that and did therapy and started to reframe the way that I talked to myself. It was really easy to clear those people out of my life, you know, because it was just like, 
they're not serving any purpose for me. Like these people are just holding me down. And, um, you know, you get to that point and it's just like, wow, once you've realized that it's just like, well, fucking sky's the limit. It is exactly (laughs) like your potential just goes like off the roof. And when you realize that it's just like, damn, like you just start appreciating like, like that you realized that now, you know, yeah, and for yeah. me, I was never like, I wasn't overweight as a teenager. Like I gained all my weight in all five pregnancies. But when I realized after I had Elena in 2018, that's when I started my journey was in 2018. After I had Elena, I recognized behaviors and thoughts that I saw in my mom who was overweight growing up. I recognized that and I recognized how I felt. And that's kind of when the turning point for me to, to get on like this weight loss journey kind of began. So I wasn't, you know, you hear stories of people that were, you know, like overweight for most of their life. Like I wasn't one of those persons, but I recognized that. So that way I could change it. So I did not become a person that was overweight from this point on, because for me, I thought like, that was the end. This is where people fall off. Like this is, this must be where everyone gives up and they don't care about what they wear. And you know what I mean? And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't. And I think that's when this journey began for me, but damn, that's my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look at you now, like I said, like you're killing it, girl. It's crazy, Uh, but I'm just so grateful. And I, th- I think that a big piece of that too, and a big piece of your success is the fact that you, like you said, like you don't really focus on like, okay, I need to lose X amount of pounds or, mm-hmm. you know, like for you, it really is just about that overall Feeling. health. Yeah. And just feeling good. Right. Like that's what it's about. And like weight loss doesn't always have to just be about, well, it really shouldn't be about being our thinnest smallest self. Right. And I think that like when people think you're, when people hear you're on a weight loss journey, the assumption is, oh, you're trying to be as small as possible. And it's like, no, 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 you (laughs) just want to feel as good as possible. Yes. And that's different for everyone. Right. Like, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Like, you know, like I've lost weight and I've kept it off and like, I have different goals now, but like, there are still people that look at me and judge me. And there's still people that look at me and call me fat or still have the same things to say that I've heard my whole life. Cause I have been overweight my whole life, you know? And it's yeah. just like, you got to stop giving a shit about those people. <laughs> you really do. Because you know what? Those are the people that are just trying to lose weight for a number. And yeah, ultimately I feel like I don't know. And I think that like I I had said this in my live yesterday, but I think that a lot of like this kind of growth, this mindset growth, it takes time to learn those things. You have to go through the hard times and you have to go through the struggles of, you know, oh, you might gain weight for like, I don't know, a month straight during your journey. Like you have to go through all that stuff to realize like that it's about how you're feeling. Like it's about the mindset. Like it's about focusing on your habits and routines each day. Like the weight loss, will come, it'll come off. Like if you put that number in the scale behind you and you yes. just start thinking about what you're doing and how you're feeling, if you're feeling good, who cares about what the number on the scale says? Yeah. You know what I mean? Who cares about what that says? It's like this week I had a I had a 0.8 pound loss this week, which is phenomenal because I wasn't actively tracking on my, on my app, you know, and, but regardless of the scale, I was working out. I felt freaking amazing. I could feel like I I looked at Mario and I was like, Mario, there's a, there's a bump in my arm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm starting to get a bicep. Like those are the things. Yes. Those are the things 
we should be not even just like getting obsessively focused about, but those are the things that we should be thriving off of. And when you start thriving off of the way you feel and you start realizing that when you feel good, like that, that, that like it kind of pushes you to keep wanting to do those things, then the weight will come off. But until you stop focusing on that and focus more on you and, you know, today, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it, and it took time for me to realize that, but yeah. I think it's a process. Everybody has to go through if if weight loss is your goal. Like it's just, it's a fucking process, (laughs) you know, and you should be growing and evolving and changing. And, um, I know yesterday on your live, I was on there and you were talking about, you know, how you've been not tracking as much, um, you're a WW member. And, um, you know, I just mentioned that like, cause tracking forever really, I mean, I don't, personally, no. in my opinion, think is sustainable for anybody, No, I unless don't. you want to diet forever and be in a 1200 <laughs> calorie deficit for the rest of your life, no. which is going to fuck up your body. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. so like, you know, I talked to you about how, when I was on weight watchers, I would practice not tracking all the time. But I think the difference is for a lot of members, that idea of not tracking, they equate it to being off the rails as they call it, you know, or like just reverting back to those habits. Right. And you always preach that the habits and it's like, no, you need to practice not tracking, but eat the fucking same and maybe add in a little bit of something if you're craving it or whatever, like find what works for you. But like this whole idea that like, oh, if I'm not tracking, like I'm I'm going to eat. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to eat everything and I'm going to go to McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack, you know, it's just like crazy. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's crazy. And I think that like, like, I don't know. Um, and I, I have, I was there in the beginning of my journey. I thought that too. I was like, yeah. shit, I was off track like every two days, if that was the case, like, <laughs> you know, and it's really not. And I think that like, it's, it's all about, it really is. And, you know, I see this so much and, and you hear other people preach it. It's all about the way you think it is like, you got to start recognizing behaviors and recognizing things. And when you do, it's like, damn, those s'mores Oreos look so good. Like, but you know what? Like I'm going to have one and they're still going to be in the cupboard later. So if I want one tomorrow, they'll be there. I don't need to have a line of Oreos today. You know, they're still going to be in there. And the thing is, is one Oreo is like, what? I don't know. Like, let's just say 75 calories that, and, and that one Oreo is not going to make you gain back 50 pounds. I promise you. And even if you eat 10 of those Oreos, if if you have that mindset, Oh, should I just ate a bunch of Oreos? Um, now I fucked everything up. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep eating this. I'm going to revert back to my old habits. Then that's when you, when shit fucks up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But if you're just like, I mean, perfect example yesterday, my husband bought fucking dozen donuts. I ate four donuts yesterday and I haven't done anything like that in a long time. Yeah. Um, but it was like, and honestly, last night I was struggling with it. I was like, fuck, you know, just because of because <laughs> of the habits. That's not a habit that I have anymore. But then I was yeah. like, you know what, bitch, you got a lot going on. And I'm ovulating right now when I ovulate. Oh my God, that's I'm worse. I am like ravenous. I know for some people it's like either when they get their period or when they ovulate. I'm one of yeah. those people. It's like when I'm ovulating, I'm like, give me all the food, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. And last night I was like, I was like, be- I was really beating myself up about it. And my husband had to remind me, he's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like yeah. you're fine. You know? And it's just like today I woke up. Guess what? 
right back to the same normal shit I do, exactly. you know, and those four donuts are not going to like fuck up my whole life. No, no. Right. And I've had like quite a few messages of people on Instagram. They'll ask me to like, I keep going through the cycle of like, I'm doing good, doing good, doing good. And then I had like a family cookout on Sunday and I ate what I wanted and I just can't get back on track the next day. And I'm like, listen, you ate X, Y, Z. It's probably like what? 1500 calories. That's not going to make you gain your weight back. You just got to get back to your routines. And the thing is, once you become comfortable with your routines and habits, it becomes a little bit easier. Like you may start questioning, yeah. you may start questioning like, oh, like I ate all that, but you know, cause obviously we're not all perfect. I mean, like you said, you know, you had the four donuts and you started like, you know, getting in your head a little, a little, a little bit, but yeah, food, food shit will fuck up with your <laughs> fuck with your mind forever. If it's something you've always struggled with, I think it'll yeah. al always be there a little bit. Right. Yeah, but like, just gotta yeah. keep moving forward. Exactly. You just gotta <laughs> keep pushing through and, yep. you know, just get your habits and your routines and when you wake up the next day, you know, you go drink your water first, or, you know, you go use the bathroom first. And you know that you got to go downstairs, get diapers changed, get clothes on, get bottles made, get people dressed. Like, you know what you got to do. So it, yeah. it, it, when, once you have that routine and habits, then it becomes just, just a little bit easier to push through on the days that you're not motivated yeah. because we're not all going to be motivated. But I think when you have those routines and habits, it's a little bit easier to go with the motion than it is to think, like overthink about that motion. Yeah. So totally. I, don't know. I have a lot in my head. We're going to be here for like five hours if I keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? Uh, I don't even know. I was thinking, so I don't know if you saw on Instagram, um, you know, I had tried to jump back into work and yeah. I am just a busy body. So adding in. Yeah. Because that so, kind of ties in with your adoption story, right? Yeah, Cause you're, yeah. you and your family are wanting to move back to Florida. Correct. Yes. Yes. So I had, um, wanted to, so when I got back from Florida, I paid off all my debt that I had. I'm like really trying to work on all the little things, which of course I've talked to you about and you've inspired yeah. me so much and I'm just so yes. excited about it. So, yeah. So just to give a little background, um, I mean, I've, we talk about finances on the show all the time. Um, but like when me and my husband wanted to buy a home, like we both had horrible credit and like, I had no idea that you could even fix that. Right. So like when yeah. we wanted to buy our home, like we had to fix our credit and like, I learned so much. Um, and I know you reached out to me and you were just kind of like, cause I've talked about it a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you've started kind of that process of kind of yeah. fixing your credit and paying shit off and yeah, it feels so good. Yes. The, hu the <laughs> hugest weight lifted off. Like when you see that credit score going up yes. and it's just like, wow. Like you said, like you can do hard things. Like, yeah. I think my credit score was like in the four hundreds. Like it was yeah. so bad. It was so bad. And now I'm in the seven hundreds. Uh, okay. Okay. I see you. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, continue. Oh, no, that's fine. So yeah, we want to move to Florida ultimately. And Mario is just like so supportive. I mean, Mario's gone to Florida with me and he, the, the family loves him too. And so we want, like, I want the kids to be around each other and, you know, they zoom, like not zoom call, but FaceTime each other and they all talk and stuff. We always talk. So ultimately I think Florida is going to be like the ending spot for us at some point. And I am not rushing it. Yeah. just because we have moved to like Oregon and other places, 
you know, in, in the past couple of years. And when we were impulsive, it just didn't last. And we ended up here. So, and you know, there's always doubters in the family and I'm like trying to prove everyone wrong. Like, I don't want to have to come back. So anyways, once I'm gone, I'm out of here. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I went, I went back to work to do part-time and I don't even know. I don't know if you saw this update, but I ended up leaving because three weeks in and oh my goodness, it was just way too much. And it wasn't even just like, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people that are like, oh, big deal, five hours a day. Like, I don't think people understand how much stuff I do all day long with these kids. I mean, we have speech therapies, we have occupational therapies. I go to the chiropractor, Elena has school for two hours. So that's hauling everyone there and hauling everyone back and hauling to go get her and hauling to come back between appointments and shopping and trying to somewhat have a decent looking house. Like, it's a lot. So I ended up pulling out of working and I'm ultimately trying to find something that isn't going to be something to just give me a little paycheck to ride my time. I want to find something to do that I'm so passionate about that I can make money on my own time doing. And I've been kind of like brainstorming. Of course, I have people on Instagram that are like, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And I'm always open to ideas, but I'm not trying to be a part of no MLM company. That is not me (laughs) whatsoever. So don't come up in my DMs asking me to sell Mary Kay because I am not doing that. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) But I love meal planning and it's something that has made me feel so in control of my eating habits and my journey. And so like, I'm considering like designing my own meal planner or like doing something along the lines of that, where like, um, you know, like it could help other people and, you know, be something that I can put my like heart and soul and love into. Like I'm on a mission to find something like that. And I think even if it puts me in a little bit of a tight spot now, I think it'll pay off so much in the long run. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, um, you know, we're, we're buckling down a little bit, but I think, you know, sometimes you have to take a little bit of a risk and, you know, you have to kind of buckle down just a little bit to get to where you want to be later on. That'll be so much worth it rather than riding time and just, totally. you know, you got to invest in yourself and you got to take exactly. those risks. Um, and just, from how, you know, how, I, how I know you and talking to you and like, I can tell that that's like definitely your calling. So oh, yeah. go with it's, it, girl. And <laughs> yes, go, if it feels right, do it. Um, you know, and I can relate, like I'm starting my slay shack right now so and that, yeah. And that's like the same thing, right? Like it's, super scary. And it's like, it's an investment. I'm having to pay for equipment and, you know, put all this money into it first before even opening, starting it. Um, but it feels right. So you just gotta go with it. And you know what, if you, if it doesn't work out, it wasn't, there's a reason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Going back to that. Yes. It's always a reason. So exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, this has been amazing. I I know we've both been really looking forward to this. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything else you want the people to know about? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I just want to tell everyone that, you know, you can, you can accomplish whatever you set your mind to, no matter where you are at. And I'm just a firm believer, you know, you can be in a dark space and you can, you can come out and you can come out like on the top of the top, you just got to set your mind to it and you can do it. I just, I just want to be an example that, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. 
that's pretty much it. Like you can, you can, you got this. That's I say it all the time and, and people say it all over Instagram, but it's the truth. You got this. Yes. Just believe in yourself. Just do it. <laughs> and even if you don't believe in yourself, just fucking do it anyway. Just tell yourself you believe in yourself. Eventually yes. you will. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll see you bitches next Monday. Bye.